All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corin Votney, and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells. This week's episode, we'll be sticking to football. Super Bowl wildcard weekend reactions, six games, most of which were great. Lots to talk about in this one. Some upsets, some near upsets, an historic comeback. Games that came down to the wire, crazy finishes, and possibly the last time we'll see an all-time great. So lots to talk about from this weekend, and that'll be it for this episode. So with that, let's get started. So somehow it took four years, but I was finally able to see the Penguins play the Hurricanes here in Raleigh on Saturday night. Uh, just be, really, the last three years has been COVID because in 2020, they were only scheduled to play twice in March and the season got canceled like three days before the first game, which was really unfortunate. Then 2021, they had the weird schedule, weird divisions. So they didn't play each other. And then last year, the one time they played, I was set to go to the game, and then I tested positive for COVID like four days earlier. So COVID has just ruined everything for me, but I was finally able to go on Saturday night. Not the result I was hoping for, but still cool to be in there in the arena, get that experience. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, early on, it, but, it didn't look great. It was 2 nothing pretty quickly. Yeah, so, I mean, luckily it was a close game, but yeah, unfortunately, fortunately for you, did not get the result you wanted, but still you got yeah. to go to a game. Yeah, no, it, it's cool. Cause like I, I've only been to like three or four NHL games ever. I'm a big fan of hockey. I love going in person. I went to a ton of Manchester Monarchs, AHL games back in the day, but um, I haven't gotten too many opportunities to go to NHL games. All have been here in Raleigh. Uh, it'd be cool to go to a game in Pittsburgh sometime, but yeah, I mean, this is not the result I was hoping for. Penguins only scored one goal and it was like four minutes left power play goal by Ricardo Kell. So just a lot of sitting there like frustrated, disappointed that things weren't going well. Um, and I think it's kind of a transition into the football thing because I was at the game. I wasn't really able to watch a lot of NFL on Saturday night. So like I was getting a lot of text updates about the games from you as well right. as from Penny during the Jaguars <laughs> games. And uh, you know, I think that, you know, I, I have a decent amount of things to say about those, but I definitely have some skewed opinions just based on what I was actually able to see live. So we can kind of jump into that. And last year when we did this wildcard weekend recap episode, I was unable to record until much later in the night than we normally do. So I didn't want to do like a full drawn out episode of a bunch of other segments and it ended up working out. Okay. It was like still a shorter episode compared to what we normally do. <laughs> um, and I, I think that just after like last week's episode just two and a half hours, I get it. It's a lot for our listeners. Um, you know, it only, it takes a dedicated person to want to hear us talk about football and pizza for that long. Right. So for this one, we're just going to focus on football, just kind of go game by game. And we'll start with Saturday, 430, 49ers, 41 Seahawks, 23. 
And when I talk about skewed opinions, I was able to watch the first half of this game. I did not get to watch much of the second half because that was around the time that I was heading into the game. Uh, I think I was able to catch like a little bit of the start of the third quarter. But uh, for me, this was Seattle was up 17 to 16 at halftime. 49ers did not look very good. In particular, Brock Purdy didn't look very good. Like he was missing guys, like throwing balls that nobody had a chance of catching. And uh, I was starting to get a little nervous because I, I, really believed in the Niners. They're my Super Bowl pick entering the season, my Super Bowl pick, at least out of the NFC, entering the postseason. And I was not feeling good about this team. And yet they ended up winning in a blowout. Uh, you know, it was the highest margin of victory on the weekend. So as someone who did watch the second half, kind of filling in our listeners here in terms of how things played out and kind of convinced me that San Francisco is uh, much better than the, the team that I saw play for 30 minutes. Yeah, they got off to a slow start, like you said, and Brock Purdy's inexperience showed a little bit in that first half for sure. And I think Seattle played as well as you could offensively when you factor in the moment and factoring in the defense they're playing. So it kind of took a, a that good of a performance for them to just be in the game. They were up by one entering the and uh, at the end of the first half, which was good for them. I thought it would be a closer game, and it showed that for the first half, but then, like you said, yeah, the second half was was all San Francisco at that point, and yeah, it was definitely definitely concerning at first, but I think the second half they uh, showed that what they're all about <laughs> with, with the pieces that they have on their offense. Yeah, I, I saw Debo seventy four yard touchdown where, you know, it's like a ten yard completion that he just took the distance from there. But it seemed like Brock Purdy was much more accurate in the second half. He wasn't overthrowing guys, missing wide like badly in any direction. So uh I think it was like a much more comforting performance from him, kind of like settling in. And, you know, and it, it looks like at the very least you would end up with a close game where Purdy would need to do something really big in a big moment. And it didn't really end up turning out that way because I, I think it was 41 to 17 when Seattle scored to make it even just a little bit closer. Right. That that last the last touchdown came in like the last minute of the game and then they missed the two point conversion. So, yeah, it was really a multiple score game. Well, their final result was two as well. So, yeah, it was it was a. Uh... I'm glad it was competitive for a bit because uh, it turned out to be, of course, a blowout by the by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, we ended up having like a lot of really great games. And I, I right. think that this one was kind of like on the, the latter side, mostly because of how the second half played out. But the first right, half but was the fact was that entertaining. this game was the least competitive shows you how great this weekend was because it was competitive for a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean... So Kyle Shanahan, like obviously his offensive system is is designed to thrive with all these pieces. You know, Brock Purdy has been great in this system when you throw in guys like Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and then of course Debo Samuel, like you can have like a really explosive offense. The, the combination of how good he is scheming up players to get open and then combining that with the players that they have on their team, you can make a case that they have the best running back, re- receiver, and tight end at, after the catch. Like they they just know how to like all their guys on their offense, like just know how to, how to not only get open with their in their system but also create more yards after the catch as well. True. Yeah, I didn't even mention George Kittle in that. Which like he just feels like an afterthought. He, yeah, he didn't do much in this game, but 
ever since Purdy has taken over, it seems like he's been a bigger factor in their offense outside of this past game. So I'm sure that he'll play a a, a bigger role in in the future. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it, teams can maybe find ways to take away one or two of these options. There's just so many weapons that if Purdy is able to connect with these guys and you know get them the ball in open space, like they they have so many playmakers who can just take over a game at any moment. That that was one th- thing that we certainly saw in this one. Uh, one thing I want to say about Kyle Shanahan. So the Niners go up sixteen to fourteen with I think thirteen seconds left in the second quarter, about to go to the half. And for whatever reason, he decides to do a squib kick instead of just booting it out of bounds. Seattle starts at the 25, probably does a kneel down. It, the odds of them doing anything at that point are so slim. But because of the squib kick, I think Seattle ends up with ball at like the 38-yard line. And then Geno Smith does a scramble. Jimmy Ward, stupid, hits him as he's sliding, tack on 15 more yards. And the Seahawks are able to kick a field goal to go up 17-16 to 16 at the half. That should have never happened. Like the whole time, I'm like after the squib kick, it's like, what is he doing? And then it plays out exactly like, and it, I think that is just I, one of those reminders that Shanahan in the playoffs, like there, there's just something no, there. I, I get and, it. He, he's great at scheming up um, an offense, but when it comes to some of his in-game decisions in, in, in high pressure situations, yeah, you can certainly question some of the decisions that Shanahan makes. I don't, I don't mind that one as much. I, I put more of that on Jimmy Ward and his stupid penalty. It's it's fair to say, yes, the penalty was the reason why it happened, but the kick made it a possibility. Like, that doesn't happen if Seattle starts at the 25-yard line. No, so. that, that makes sense because, uh, I mean, this is not a perfect comparison, but remember last year, the Buffalo-Kansas City game. There's 13 seconds left, and the defense blew it with giving up two you know big pass plays to set up a Butker field goal. But what really started that was kicking the ball into the end zone and not taking more you know, time off the clock. Yeah. And it, start, you're it starts right. with that the coach. Is, it's not a perfect uh, comparison, but it's one that came to mind. And I, uh, I guess last year in the playoffs. No. And it, I think that's kind of fair to say like 13 seconds for a guy like Patrick Mahomes versus a guy like Geno Smith. And, you know, I don't know that the, especially with the Niners defense versus a Bills defense at that point in the game, if it's the same comparison there. But if you're going to do a squib kick, at least do something that's going to make it difficult to get a return uh, You know, to the point where they have good field position or at least burn more clock. It, it just felt like he was giving them great field position without burning any time off the clock. It wasn't like he kicked it you know, to the five-yard line and they returned at 35 yards to set up that position. So that's kind of my issue there. And it's just like another reminder of like, has, is he going to do something that is going to hurt his chance of you know, it's a fair point because, because we've seen that with him so many we've times. We've seen that in the past with him as the cor- offensive coordinator for the Falcons and then also just a few years ago in the Super Bowl uh on on their Super Bowl run with the with uh with the Niners against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean it, it's like it, in in some ways it felt like the special teams kickoff equivalent to uh you know running a 12-step drop back on you know in field goal range in the that Falcons Super Bowl game. Um I guess, you know, so San Francisco overall, like they're a scary team. Like they show that even when they come out slow, they can still put it together. Uh, Definitely going to be a tough out for whoever else they have to play the rest of the way in the NFC. Uh, Before we move on, I do want to take a little time to talk about the Seahawks because the fact that Seattle was not just in a playoff game, but like even competitive for just a little bit of this game, I think it's pretty remarkable. Like in terms of their season, 
for not for a team that doesn't win a Super Bowl, doesn't even win a playoff game, it's hard to have like a much better season than what the Seahawks were able to do, given everything that happened in the offseason, trading their star quarterback, finishing 500, making the playoffs, and they have a top five pick. Yeah, it's incredible what they were able to accomplish this year, just given the expectations uh, for the team uh, after trading Wilson and sticking with Geno Smith as their starting quarterback and we Gino had a great year but before this year Gino hadn't really shown much throughout his career and then all of a sudden he's he looked like he was even like just for this year he looked like he was the better option compared to Wilson which is just amazing and yeah for them to have for them to make the playoffs is definitely an accomplishment uh, I, I kind of want your thoughts though on what do you think they should do with Gino Smith because even though he had a good season I don't think they should extend him to like some crazy long-term deal, maybe franchise him. But I, I think as good as he was this year, I do think it was kind of a flash in the pan and that I don't expect this to continue for several years and beyond. I I, I do think it was kind of just a, just yeah, a one year. I've, I've been back and forth on this. Uh, I don't know about the franchise tag. I don't think one year with a crazy contract is the right move. I think a shorter term deal where you can pay him not, like a ton i don't know like 20 million so, a year. So, so not one year but at crazy money but two years yeah, at less like money three yeah two three years you know limited guarantees i think enough to be able to keep him around enough to want to come back but like paying him not top dollar that some of the other starting quarterbacks get but you're gonna have to pay him more than you have been the past couple of years or you've been paying him like a backup who just happened to become your 17 game starter this year you could also bring him back but also maybe draft a guy with that top pick that yeah and that's denver but at the same time there so even though san francisco did a great job offensively in the second half especially i think a, i think a lot of it also has to do with how just how bad seattle's defense is because outside of I mean, Quandre Diggs is good, and then Tariq Woolen is in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. But and then they have a couple fun names like Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant. But other than that, they don't really have a great defense. I mean, look at that first run that McCaffrey had. Oh yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that was the biggest hole ever. Like we could have gotten a first down on that play. Yeah. So I I think I I get what you're saying. I think Seattle should go defense. I I understand the idea of a quarterback, but. I, unless there's a guy that they absolutely love that's there. But at that point, they've already made a decision on Geno Smith. I think that this team is better off running it back with Geno for another year and building around him on both sides of the ball. This this draft they had was awesome. They genuinely have rookie of the year candidate on both sides of the ball. Kenneth Walker on offense, Tariq Woolen on defense. And I think Pete Carroll is going to get some love for coach of the year, what what he's been able to accomplish. But I think John Schneider, their general manager, like he's also been kind of maligned as the, the Russell Wilson era played out. I think he should be very much up there for executive of the year with everything he accomplished, like through the draft, through some of these free agent signings. Like these weren't like big splashes, big names that like the Eagles went out and built this team with. Like these, this team is not supposed to go nine and eight and make the playoffs. No. And I think that, uh, there's there's reason to believe that he should get praise now and can continue to grow this team in the future to maybe get to the point where they were like in that Legion of Boom era where you have Russell Wilson on a cheap contract as a rookie and you're able to build up this great team around him. Yeah, I, I didn't. I really didn't like their draft in the beginning of the year, but it, obviously with the how the year played out, it was definitely a much better draft than I expected. And I think, yeah, I think I think the plan should be to 
get more pieces defensively. And then, yeah, I know Gino's not like some elite quarterback or, or whatever, but I think he's, I think he deserves to be their starter for at least another season. And, and then try to, I mean, build, build, build pieces on both sides of the ball, but I would put more emphasis on the defense though. Yeah. I agree Cause they do that. have great receivers and, and Metcalf and Lockett. And then Kenneth Walker showed that, that uh, just in his first year that he's a good running back and, and they drafted an O-lineman in the first round last year. So I would, I would put more focus uh, on the defensive side of the ball in the draft next year. Yeah. And I think that's what they need to do if they're going to like take the next step in the NFC. But I, I definitely think that they can kind of run it back with Gino and, you know, build, build up the defense like we've been talking about and, you know, see where that takes them. And if, if they find themselves not really making much improvement, then you can maybe look at the quarterback situation. Again. Uh, before we move on to the next game, uh, well, speaking of quarterbacks, what do you think the plan should be? I know it's probably too early to talk about this, but like, what do you think the plan should be? with the Niners with their quarterback situation because they have three quarterbacks on their roster that are all <laughs> viable options uh with uh-huh. with with Purdy right now but then also Lance and Jimmy hurt right now like I I can't imagine that all three of them would be back next season no I don't see a scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo returns I don't see how they can bench Brock Purdy at for Jimmy Garoppolo if he comes no, back healthy with the way I, he's playing so I I think the plan should be well, Jimmy's an easy one. I don't think they should. He should return. I think they should find find a a, a trade uh, for him. Yeah, and I think then, he's like an unrestricted free agent. I think okay. So so don't even bring him time. back then. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I would do is I would bring I would have Lance and Purdy, and then kind of have like a quarterback competition between the two of them. Or if you could find uh, if you could find a team that wants Lance and can give you a good price for him, because they're not going to get three first round picks for Trey Lance. No, no, they're definitely but, not. But if they can get back. something reasonable enough or something really good in return for him, then I think I would, I would consider trading him. But I, I, I would, I don't know. I would like to see what he looks like in their offense because he's barely I played know. for them. Yeah, it's and just, it, not, it's it not just like makes he's it so hard to evaluate what they should do with him. Is that you just haven't? Don't have a good he, sample size. He has he has this he has such a small sample size that I, I don't want to like oh like just trade him after trading three first rounders for him. But Purdy's looked great uh, in mm-hmm. their in their offense, and so and then there were talks about Brady <laughs> as well. Yeah, so. I know it's yeah that that's always going to be there with you know just the, the San Francisco connection. I, right. I think you keep riding it out with Purdy, see how things go these next however many games. If he wins the Super Bowl, he's your starting quarterback next right. year. Yeah, if he goes to the Super Bowl. He's probably your starting quarterback next year. If he loses in the the next two games, then maybe I think it's time to like really seriously kind of think about okay, is Purdy really the long term guy? Or is this yeah, really is, nice is, is he the long term guy, or is he having a a Cooper Rush kind of run where he looks great for <laughs> uh-huh. a month plus, but then comes back down to earth? Uh, yeah, so I, it'd be interesting to see what will happen uh, these next few weeks. Uh, or mm-hmm. or longer, uh, and then yeah, no, that'll definitely be a storyline that we'll we'll touch on as we learn more about you know Purdy and the 49ers' fate. Uh, they're moving on to the divisional round, and so are the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is a game that I I watched. I think two or three plays at the very end of this game. That was all I got. I was getting this is really where I was getting the text updates from you, and like I'll, I'll kind of set the tone here. We are in a fantasy football league for the playoffs. And 
we draft a team of players that will be your team for the entire postseason. If a guy loses in his first game, you're done. You don't get any more points from him. I decided I was going to take a few Jaguars, in particular Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones on my team. And I had like a rooting interest in Jacksonville that was exaggerated by me being at a hockey game, drinking a ton during, you know, before it. And as I'm like, hearing what's going on i'm freaking out i'm upset about the penguins losing to the hurricanes this is just a moment where i was just like saying the wildest stuff to kenny over text and uh and all of a sudden you're like yeah the Chargers are gonna find a way to blow this and they actually did and i'm like see that was why i picked jacksonville to win this game (laughs) yeah you said the chargers should win but jacksonville will and and that's a great way to put it because the chargers should have won that game. They are the better team and they're up 27 to nothing, but yeah, they're still a loser franchise and they have the talent to be with those other three teams in the AFC in Buffalo, Kansas city and Cincinnati. They have the talent, but they just are still a loser team that has has a loser, (laughs) has a loser coach. And, Uh and it's just, it's still the same thing with that, with that team. Yeah, so it sounds like Staley is going to survive this at least for one more year, but his offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, is gone. Uh, that he's kind of the scapegoat for now, but it's wild to me how they actually managed to pull off this 27 nothing blown lead like that because like the Jaguars were, were horrible in the first half. I, I, I was watching highlights. It was like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions. I can't really comprehend it. Like these are just terrible balls that like Samuel's the, easily picking the, off. Guys are tipping them. And the, the first one was just a bad tip. It was kind of unlucky. It was the second by a Chargers player. At right. Least. The second. Like it, oh, true. That's true. But yeah. It wasn't the, like he the, was on you know, target to someone. Right. The, the, the second one I put on Peterson for just going for it on fourth down, I, I would have gone for the field goal there. And so I, I kind of don't blame. Which I think it's kind of fair. It, I don't it was blame Trevor that. for that one, but the other, but then the next two, it's like, yeah, those are bad. <laughs> and then that point, it's like, you, you shake it. Like you should be rattled at this point. He's thrown four interceptions in the first half. You're down 27 to nothing. And I, I think one of those, like there were a handful of moments in this one that like kept giving Jacksonville life. One of the early ones was the muffed punt. Chargers start at the six yard line and all they can manage is a field goal there. And I think that just kind of gave Jacksonville life. They go down, score a touchdown before the half. Now, all of a sudden, Jacksonville's a little bit of momentum, feel a little good going in the locker room instead of being down like 31 nothing or worse. Yeah, the Chargers should have taken full advantage of that. But at the same time, it was 27 to nothing. Uh, <laughs> it should have been enough. You're right. It should have it been, should have been. been enough, but it wasn't. And. Yeah, I mean, it says more about the Chargers, uh, how this game played out, but you got to give Trevor Lawrence some credit uh, because, like you said, he's a young quarterback and he just threw four picks in his uh, in the first half of his first playoff game. You think it's just going to be downhill from there, but he actually was able to, uh, you know, pick himself back up and and lead the Jags to a victory. And I think it shows a lot uh, about what he can be in the league. Oh, absolutely! I know Kenny said that he was like. The, the player under the most pressure and i i, I thought it was kind of a, a sensible argument it was a homer that. pick but at the same time it was a homer like, oh, pick, you know, but like yeah. yeah i know like number one overall pick first playoff game at home what can you do and throwing four interceptions early on it's like ah uh, this is not promising but the fact that he was able to turn it around in the same game this is not even like a bounce back next year you know re- revival moment like this was very much like a tale of two halves to this guy and i think that he showed he has 
has the the poise, he has the composure, never wavered on himself, and he very much earned that trip to Waffle House after the game with all of his. Oh yeah, I, I did like seeing that that he went to Waffle House to celebrate the win. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to go to to celebrate anything. Not, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Tin Cup, but Kevin no. Costner's character in that movie after a great round not winning at all not winning the tournament yeah. but after a great round to make the cut uh he decides waffle house is the place to go <laughs> that, that all-star special i mean you, you feel like an all-star when you order it and eat it so right definitely See, uh yeah <laughs> yeah so it's a credit to him and credit to the jags but it says way more about the chargers the, how this I, game played out i agree out. with and that yeah and Brand Staley, I, I've definitely have lost complete faith in him as a head coach. And and before this game, it starts with uh with the last week, week eighteen, playing his playing the starters for a very large portion of that game to the point where Mike Williams got hurt, and he's like, oh, you know, he's day to day, he's got some back spasms, but then you find out that he has a minor fracture in his back and he can't even play, and it's just great. We lost uh. The Chargers, they lost their, one of their best players uh, on offense. Yeah, I don't remember and, what the stats are, but the Chargers are significantly better when they have Mike Williams than when they don't have him. Right. So. And and so that's just, just poor uh, poor decision-making, very stubborn on Staley's part uh, for to play to play his starters and for one of them to get hurt. And then, you know another thing to mention about this game? You know how when you when you come into a game and, and analysts are talking about like, oh, what's going to take for this team to win? Like, oh, well, it's going to take, you know, establishing the run. It's got to take uh, taking out the team's best player, uh, taking care of the football, blah, 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 blah. The Chargers won the turnover margin by five. The Jags had five turnovers and they did not turn over the ball and they lost. And they were the first team in NFL history uh, in the playoffs to, to lose a game with that, a plus Sam. five turnover margin. That's just... wow. Yeah. That's just un- unbelievable. Uh, so, so, it's, I, I mean, <laughs> only the Chargers. Like, even though the Falcons, uh, they have the worst singular uh, choke job in the playoffs or in NFL history. I feel like the Chargers just have more. They have a bigger sample size of choking uh, than any team uh, in the league. And I remember, yeah, I remember texting you when it was twenty-seven nothing. I really, I genuinely believed it was not over. And it's only because it's them. Like if it was just anyone else, like, oh, this should be in the bag. Like it's over. But because it's the Chargers, I didn't really believe it was over. And once it got closer and closer to the end and the Jags were catching up, I was like, yeah, they're going to blow it. And they did. And uh, yeah, I just, that was, yeah, that was just uh really, really poor on the, the Chargers. And no, no, nothing to mention. They had a 27, nothing lead. After they took the lead, they ran 25 pass plays and eight run plays. Like they, they can't so, run the ball. <laughs> I mean, I I, they like, have, I know I know they uh, I know they were they weren't great at uh you know running the ball. Austin Eckler didn't have his best. Even though he had two touchdowns, he didn't run efficiently. I mean, still you gotta kill more clock than when you have yeah, well, I know. a lead. It's, strategically, that makes the most sense. But that's what happens when you're incapable of running a football. Like that's that's what's gonna happen. You can't burn clock, and you just leave yourself susceptible to teams making a comeback like that. And so uh, the offensive coordinator, what's what's his name? Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. Yeah. yeah. So he get he's the scapegoat in this. He gets fired, and yes, he deserves criticism for that. But like, remember when? So we kind of just talked about it. But remember in Super Bowl Fifty One, the Falcons they had this huge lead, but then they they were too aggressive. They kept they kept passing it rather than, you know, at times where they should have run the ball. And Kyle Shanahan got a lot of heat for it, but 
I think ultimately comes down to the head coach because even though the uh, the OC definitely deserves criticism, the head coach overpowers him. He could tell him like, no, we are not going to keep you know chucking the ball. We gotta we gotta kill some clock. We gotta run the ball a little bit more. And so even though yes, he, uh, the OC deserves criticism, I still think it comes down it it still starts with Staley. And, and yep, I agree. I agree. I think it's got to go back to the head coach in a lot of situations. Like, yes, I mean, Lombardi was fired not just because of this game. Like, this was a straw that broke the camel back. Like, he's had a lot of situations and issues just, you know, with the, the Chargers offense over the past couple of years. So, yeah, I think that it, it makes sense that to at least get rid of him. But I do think that Staley deserves a ton of criticism. You when you blow a twenty seven nothing lead in the playoffs, like the head coach has to get some kind of blame. And a lot of the players do as well. I mean, it's a whole organizational thing, but I think that Staley is pretty lucky to still have a job. I, right I can't now. believe it. I, I I can't believe that you know, for losing one of your best players for this game and then to blow a lead like that, it. I I can't I can't believe I mean at least they're making some changes, you know firing the OC and the quarterbacks coach so that would give me some hope for the Chargers next year but I still think it'll be kind of the same thing as long as Staley it's is the there same story the with coach. this it'll, team. it'll still be I still think it'll be the same story if he's still their head coach which is like this year is supposed to be different it was like it's not Philip Rivers anymore it's not any of those other coaches it's Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert and we see this team that has Super Bowl aspirations go 10 and 7 like they they ended up making the playoffs comfortably in the end but like it, it took really a easy schedule down the really stretch really easy schedule the for them to for because so it shows you that they're not a they're not terrible they're not a bad team but I think they're good but they're not Again, they're not in that class of Buffalo, Kansas City, or Cincinnati because of because of incompetent decisions and uh, and play in a game like that. So, yeah, I I think as long as Staley is there, I'm 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 not as super confident uh, as I would have been in the past with the Chargers. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough being a Chargers fan. I know there aren't many of them out there, but I I just can't imagine just no, every I can't, year yeah, this that's, team that's be is painful. supposed to go to the Super Bowl and then just horrible playoff losses and the, the ghost of they nate, lose the uh, team like the ghost of nate cating is still oh up. i know just <laughs> yeah so many games that he costs them and yeah i mean they're they're not in san diego anymore and they're probably a lot of san diego chargers fans that are like why do i continue to support this team after they've gotten they've given nothing to you <laughs> one thing that kind of bugs me uh, the only the only uh defense i'll have in in brandon staley is that so they played the Jags, right? And they're led by coach mm. Doug Peterson. And they're both kind of similar where they're both very analytical and they're aggressive. But Doug Peterson, for whatever reason, it seems to go right for him. And he gets all this praise about how aggressive he is and blah, blah, blah. But Brandon Staley, it's the same thing, but he get, it doesn't come through for him and he gets all the heat by the media. And I, I get it, but I think at the same time, it's kind of unfair because, uh, uh, you know, rewinding... Uh, like at the end of that game, right? So it's 30 to 26, right? The yep. Jags score a touchdown. And they go for two because of Joey Bosa losing his his mind <laughs> uh, uh, after that play, which was it was a bad missed call, a uh, bad missed false start on the ref's part. Uh, so they get the penalty and they get to the one-yard line. They go for two and they decide to go. For, yeah, they decide to go for two instead of the extra point mm-hmm. and they get it which is good, but what if they miss 
that that the two and it's 30 26 and then they get the ball back and then they can't go for the field goal because they missed the two so they have to go for the touchdown and they don't get it like what what would be saying about doug peterson if if they don't get that too oh i I don't know it's just i think i just think it goes too far in both directions where i think doug peterson gets a little bit too much credit i just think i don't know if he's just running hot with all these plays that he or decisions that he makes, but they're both kind of similar where they're both very analytical and aggressive and just one yeah, guy no, gets analytics all the love, and the other guy gets all the hate. It, it's all about what the outcome is. I mean, right. you, there's so many times if it's it like, comes through you're a genius. If, if it doesn't, you're yeah. the biggest dumbass on earth. No, it, it comes down to execution and believing your players. I mean, the case of Doug Peterson, he's like, my quarterback is six, six. I like his ability to extend one yard for a score. <laughs> uh, but you know, in the case of uh, like, Brandon Silly is like, it's fourth and three. I love going for it on fourth down. I'm going to try it out my kicker to make a 10 point game, a 13 point game. And the football gods say, ah, nope, missed field goal. And that, you know, that ended up being a, a huge, another big momentum swing for Jacksonville. So, so even yeah. though I think Staley is a moron, I, I do think there is some bad luck uh, on his there, part as well. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's execution, whether you want to call it luck or something else. I mean, it's definitely a factor. So uh, anyway, Jacksonville moves on to the divisional round in Sunday. We got another great slate of games and there were some games that we were not expected to be close at all. And they ended up having fantastic uh, finishes. And one of those is Buffalo, Miami. Uh, This is a game that I think everybody thought the bills would win. Just simply the better team. Dolphins are starting a third string quarterback and 34-31 34-31 comes down to the wire. Some way, somehow, the Dolphins had a chance in the end. I made an absurd take that the the odds of Skylar Thompson leading the Dolphins to victory were are the same as me winning the lottery. And then once <laughs> once it was like that close at the end, I'm like, oh my god, do I have to buy some lottery tickets? I mean, I, I'll admit I did on Saturday, uh, the day before this game, and I did not win. But it's just funny that like, wow, they, that really almost happened, and. Yeah, I mean, good for good for you know, Miami making it a game because I thought, like you said, this would be one of the blowout games that wouldn't be interesting. But again, this weekend was really interesting with pretty much all the games, and it helped that this game was actually interesting till the end uh, because it was a thirteen and a half point spread, and, and Miami uh-huh. nearly won the game. And even though it's a credit to them for making it a game, at the same time, Buffalo uh, Buffalo got super careless. Uh, after they so they they got the seventeen zero start, which is great, and then you think they're gonna just roll over Miami and it won't be a contest, but they let him back in the game uh, and they 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 blew the seventeen nothing lead and they let him back in the game, and then they also had a bad strip sack uh, fumble that you know gave Miami touchdown and they gave him the lead and it just Buffalo should Buffalo should have wiped that <laughs> wiped the floor with that team. Uh, I don't w- with dealing I with uh, completely agree. When you factor in that d- the Miami, not only they're not as good of a team, but they're also playing a third string quarterback who throws a lot of incompletions. Didn't even play well in this game. Like, no, it, he had his moments. Had, he had his uh, moments in this game, and and then there were times where he had good throws, but his receivers would drop a lot of passes. Like while Waddle had like at least two or three bad drops in this game. Uh-huh. And, and so at times his receivers didn't give him any favors, but 
Yeah, I mean, what, what was it? Eighteen for forty-five in this game. Like, the, no wonder why this game took four yeah. hours to play. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was so long. I mean, yeah, it was, I was but it took at, forever. I was wondering at halftime if they were going to delay the next game because of this, and yeah, they they delayed it, and it still wasn't even over when the next one kicked off. But yeah, in talking about the Bills being careless, so I I've been feeling for a long time that like the Bills are the best team in the AFC like you know I, I picked them going into the year to go to the Super Bowl hadn't really wavered a ton like a little bit in Kansas City at times but overall I was still very high on Buffalo but I have always had this feeling in the back of my mind that their season is going to end on a careless devastating Josh Allen turnover that we can say oh he's so good it's worth it you can look past the horrible red zone interceptions and the the fumbles and everything that have cost this team or nearly cost this team at times. But when it happens in a big moment, it's it's going to be really bad. And in this game, like that was part of how, how Miami is able to keep it close was that Josh Allen was just turning the ball over. And, you know, Josh Allen is a, the, he's a great quarterback. He He's he's, he's so awesome. fun to watch. Even though he's on a rival team, he's, he's so fun to watch. Obviously, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But it was kind of my problem with him his first couple of years in the league is that you could see the talent. You could see the potential uh, in Josh Allen, but there were he, 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 he doesn't do it as much now than he did in his first couple of years in the league. But from time to time, he'll make some really, really reckless decisions uh, out there. And it didn't cost them, but it, it was it was a game that came down to the very end uh, for Buffalo. Yeah, it should, it should not have. It absolutely should not have. Um, and I, it is a reason. Like I think in a lot of ways, it should be a wake up call. It should be a wake up call for this team. Like, hey, you know, we are not invincible. Like we have our flaws. This is a game that we were supposed to win by a lot. Did not happen. Let's ride this from here and like you know figure out how we need to be better to be able to compete with Cincinnati and Kansas City and whoever comes out of the NFC on the way to a Super Bowl. So it's just a matter of, is that actually going to happen? Or are you going to have yet another playoff disappointment for a Bills franchise that, you know, not even before Josh Allen, that's all they've known. So. Yeah. There are uh, loser teams that still continue to be losers. And then Buffalo was almost in that same boat where they, they have, they've never been a winning franchise. I shouldn't say never, but they haven't won a Super Bowl. Is what I'm trying to say. Never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, obviously, go went to four in a row, didn't win any of them. Just still remarkable thinking about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I think that uh, you know the Bills need to figure this out from here. Uh, I'm not ready to give up on them by any means because we know how great they could be. Like you know, we saw Josh Allen still step up, make some huge throws to to do what he needed to do to win this game. Um, on the flip side, you know, talk about Miami. Dolphins season obviously did not go completely as planned as it looked like it would. You know, the injuries to Tua were a big problem there. Um, I think in this game, it's it's wild. I've never seen a team struggle to snap a ball as much oh my as the God. Dolphins that- Earning three second half timeouts to avoid delay of game penalties. I, I lost it. <laughs> I, I yelled at my TV. Uh, that that last one, I mean. The one that and, was like... Yeah, when they were, didn't have timeouts anymore, yeah. Just I, I, I literally yelled at my TV, hike the ball. <laughs> I said it a lot louder than that, too. <laughs> and, and look, look I, it would have been fun if Miami pulled off the upset. I, it would have been great comedy, but I'm... I'm I'm glad we don't have to see another week of Skylar Thompson, that quarterback. That would just I couldn't take it anymore. It just... I mean, maybe Bridgewater would have played the next week if they made it to the next week, but still, I, c- I couldn't take it uh, with with uh, the amount of delay of games and 
just like hike the effing ball, dude. Uh, maybe that has maybe I don't want to blame too too much on Skylar Thompson. Maybe that has also something to do with Mike McDaniel and maybe the coaching. Maybe I think get, I think it does get in the play in time, and so maybe Skylar yeah. Thompson was left out to dry, but. Well, McDaniel said he thought it was a first down. He didn't realize it was fourth and one. So, yeah, I mean, that's just like a a huge blunder on his part. I don't know how that happened. There was some kind of miscommunication. He said this never happened before. But Mike McDaniel is a guy who's kind of getting uh, a lot of questions about his future as a head coach. And I think it, it sounds silly in a lot of ways, given how good things were going for Miami at one point. But when you lose five in a row down the stretch and then, you know, have something like this happen in a playoff game. I think it's fair to wonder, like, yeah, is this really a guy who should be a head coach in the NFL right now? And I, I think uh, his, I think it's reasonable at least kind of ponder what his future will be like. I wouldn't give up on him by any means, but no. I know. haven't really had any criticisms for him. Part of it's just because he's such a fun, likable guy. Exactly. I think that <laughs> that really goes for him is his press conferences. It's just like, how can you fire this guy? <laughs> like he's just he's just hilarious. Uh, uh-huh. so I, I think he's just a likable guy to, to well, maybe not root for in my case, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I think the thing with McDaniel is that, okay, like for the first 10 or 11 games or so they were, they were playing great. They were in contention, contention for the division and, and two was, was, uh, was playing, was, was, was playing awesome. But then, yeah, like there was a, a stretch where they weren't playing well. And then Tua had another concussion and they had to bring in, backup quarterbacks and so like it's kind of hard to win like anytime your starting quarterback gets injured and and then you're facing tougher competition and then but but yeah like this this moment where fourth and one they can't get the play in because they don't know what down is like that's probably the first moment where i'm thinking myself like wow like that was not good on his part and deserves credit i believe deserves criticism for 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 what happened Skylar Thompson does too even I know he's a backup but dude how many times did they blow it uh on delay games like five six four, times four yeah at least and probably even more than that there were four times including the timeout and then the fourth and one there were probably others in there I mean it, so one side note on delay of game but how is it like everyone talks about like the chains and stuff how do we not have just like a shot clock buzzer why does it have to be Either the official has to see zero, has to see the ball still isn't snapped, then he throws a flag. Like, why do you have to give him an extra second or two? I do. And, it happen, yeah, that happens a lot. I think, yeah, there are some refs that they they give you some leeway and it's like, all right, like it doesn't have to be right when it hits zero. But like for, in some refs cases, like they, they, they let it go for like another second, even if it hits zero. It's it's odd. Uh, it's I think just, it should I mean, be like what you said. A shot clock, like it. once it hits zero. Yeah. It's, delay it's game. over. Yeah, it should. It really shouldn't be that difficult. Uh, and I guess another thing about you know whether it's Mike McDaniel or whoever, the the Dolphins had a third and nineteen from their eight yard line, winning, and they had Skyler Thompson try to throw a pass for a first down. Naturally, gets intercepted. Buffalo has short field. They score a touchdown to go ahead. Like that's just another one of those. Like I get wanting to be aggressive on first and ten there after you. Uh, I think it was like coming off a turnover or something, but to just give the ball right back in a situation where it's like, you need to protect it. Like just do a handoff. Especially with him. Give some rope for your punter. Exactly. Like that was such like, a It's bad not Patrick Mahomes. It's Skylar Thompson. <laughs> I know. Like it, how could you expect anything different there? So uh, definitely a lot of questions for Miami. What's going to happen with their quarterback situation? Is Tua going to retire? That's something that's being talked about. You know, are they just going to move on from him regardless because he can't stay healthy? Um, or are they going to try to bring him back and see if you know things can be like 
when they're at their highs this year. And I definitely would like to see more from Tua, but uh, but his long-term future is definitely in question with his health. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I guess just like a quick little side note here before we move on. So naturally, there was a lot of talk among Steelers Twitter and probably just fans in general over whether or not the Steelers would have won this game if they got the seven seed. They played Buffalo, and okay, I think that the defense would have given Josh Allen some problems still. Like they still would have had you know T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, prolonged pressure probably have some turnovers Steelers led league and in interceptions but Steelers offense averaged 18 points per game this year I, I don't think that that can be overlooked it's just how bad the offense was and like to think that they would be able to put up 30 points and compete with Buffalo and I'm sure that there's some similar thoughts coming from the Patriots of whether oh if we got another chance of this team could we have won on this day and I don't know do I, I don't blame I don't blame fans for making the case just because it was Skylar Thompson and they almost won and so exactly, and I think so that's you would, a reason have, why. you would have to better play at the quarterback position, like no matter. Well, maybe maybe if Trubisky, maybe not. But <laughs> 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 that's just me being a, a hater. But it would have been less points scored. I believe that. Like I think I think they would have given up less points to Buffalo than Miami did. But at the same time, I don't think they would have scored as many points either. I, I, I just think it's yeah. I mean, and I know Miami I, had I a defensive help. touchdown in there, but I know it was so long ago. But I I also just can't help but look back on that game where Gabe Davis just says he has like three catches for like 180 yards <laughs> and two yeah. scores, uh, something crazy. Yeah. And just uh, I just think that I don't, I don't want to say it would have been like that, but I I still think Buffalo would have won pretty pretty handedly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been more competitive than when the Steelers went to Orchard Park in week five. Certainly much better than Kenny Pickett's first NFL start. Right. Um, but I, I just think like th- this weekend is just like more of a wake up call about you need offense to win in the NFL. Oh, like, the- all these games are high scoring. Like, <laughs> Right. That's um, no no joke. When, watching this weekend, part of me just thought about like, wow, the Patriots are not in the same class as most of not all these teams. Now, what you could say is that there is some sloppy football and maybe if the Patriots can compete in the playoffs, if they were, if they, if they, you know, had a, you know, a playoff appearance, they could compete just because there are a lot of teams that are reckless and, and are, you know, stupid, but the Patriots don't have the talent to compete for a championship though, still. Uh, So even even if if they're uh, yet either, and they're not even as well coached of a team as they used to be. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think the you know the Patriots, uh, at least they plan on bringing in a real offensive coordinator who can maybe right. turn things around. I mean, Matt Canada is still the OC for the Steelers. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's also kind of a transition to this next game, Giants-Vikings. And Joe Judge was the head coach of the Giants for the past two years. They were one of the worst teams in the league. This team is not that much different than the teams Joe Judge coached. Brian Dable not only takes them to the playoffs, but leads them to an upset playoff victory. And to be fair, and- Jones and Saquon were banged up last year, but still, it. can you think, outside of maybe Trevor Lawrence, can you think of a bigger gap in, in quarterback play from Daniel Jones with Joe Judge, 
Joe Judge to to now with Daniel Jones with Brian Dayball. I can't think of many no, quarterbacks I mean, that, with bigger gaps. Th- those are the play. only two, and I think that like both of them are big reminders that coaching matters in the NFL. Like oh, having coaches like Doug Peterson so and Brian Dayball. It's so reflective on coaching because, and that and that's, it's the reason why I didn't give up completely on Daniel Jones before the season because because having Joe Judge as his coach is so bad that anyone would be an upgrade uh, over over him and. Not only did they get an upgrade, they got a guy that uh, really turned around their team. Because, like you said, like their roster isn't really that much better uh, than it was last it's year. Not really a playoff caliber roster. It, it, and... Their their best receiver wasn't even on the team <laughs> for like half the year. Who's <laughs> <laughs> uh... in Buffalo? Uh, and you you most people have to Google who their receivers are. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I mean it's just like looking at the CM Isaiah Hodgins, Richie, Richie James, James, Darius, and Darius Slayton. Slayton. Penny Galladay is still in there, like slowly becoming relevant these yeah, last he, couple he, weeks. He, he's earning his money on on blocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that one really impressive impressive block video. Um, it just just goes to show this. Like Joe Judge is the guy who's in charge of Mac Jones. Like look what he did. And to look Daniel at what, how, how this what year panned out for him. Yeah, uh, just a wild a wild decision by Bill Belichick. That's yeah, proving you know, showing to be just even more of a disaster than. Uh, you know, it, it had looked just seeing how the Giants are doing because so this game, Giants 31, Vikings 24. I picked the Giants to win this game because it was more going against the Vikings and going the, against Kirk Cousins. That's not why the Vikings lost. The Vikings lost because Daniel Jones was great. And I mean, their defense is terrible. Oh, their defense is it's, It was all about Daniel Jones more so than Kirk Cousins in this one. So, yes, the Giants played well offensively. But yeah, that the, the Vikings defense is awful oh their their secondary is brutal to watch and i picked the vikings but it's another case like the charges where it's they should beat this team they have more talent than this team but it's another one where okay look like the vikings they were 13 and 4 but it was certainly an inflated record compared to like what you know how people believed in them and even though people like myself picked the vikings is anyone really surprised about this result, like I don't, I don't think so. Like, I, <laughs> Probably like, not. I, yeah, I, I even said like the, I think the Vikings are going to win, but I think they're on upset alert. Like I think, I think there is real concerns with this team, and and it definitely showed in this game because their defense. Yes, again, Giants played well offensively, but they three and one anything. Seven for thirteen <laughs> on third downs for the Giants, and uh, it would have been eight for thirteen if Darius Slayton. Oh, I know that drop on third and fifteen the there. Yeah, I know. It gave him a chance. Uh, I mean, Jones. <laughs> 78 rushing yards. I'll say Daniel Jones is fun to watch. Like that, that was yeah, one of my def- biggest. He has athletic ability. Game. He can run for a quarterback. He's, de- he's, 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 he's got the size and he's, he's definitely has some mobility uh, at that position. So, I mean, again, he's not Josh Allen, but he's, he's a viable quarterback option. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that the giants are going to continue to stick with him for at least, at least another year. Here. He's definitely yeah. bought himself another year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of Kirk Cousins, like it was just, really just the one fourth down pass yeah. at the end of the game. Like that that's all it was. He maybe maybe to defend him I, I mean, from his point of view, like, hey, maybe Jefferson was double covered or or triple covered and the Giants pass ru- pass rush, you know, that got to him all day. Maybe they got to him like crap, I gotta get rid of this ball. I'm just guessing. But still, you know that meme where it's like you know what? Screw it. Jefferson's out there somewhere. I, that, I still, I still would have just thrown it to him. Uh, that, that's what they ran against Buffalo. Where, 
you've seen that play in Buffalo where he throws it to Jefferson, even though he's there, there are Buffalo Bills players all over him. And then he, he ends up getting the catch anyway. Like, I still would have just gone to him or I think Osborne was open on that play too, in the middle of the field. Yeah. So, so I watched like the, the diagram. He had options, right? He, whether or not they were going to be like completed pass. I don't know. It wasn't like someone was wide open, but the, the Hawkinson play had no shot. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, just, I think I like Kirk. I, I, I think he's just fun. And, you know, with the you like that and the, you know, him shirtless on the airplane yeah, with, all the, the with all the chains, stuff, yeah. like I, he's a awkward, goofy guy, like kind of nice fun guy. at times. And he can be clutch at times in the regular season. But when it, at the end of the day, even I don't believe him in the playoffs. But even their, so, their like, still crazy. Like, <laughs> just to, it, your, your season is on the line and you, ch- uh-huh. you check it down to the, to Hawkinson, who doesn't have a shot at getting the first down, being even though yes, he was technically open, he was about to get tackled, and so not a good play on his part. And yeah, such an anticlimactic way for that game to end. Too. Oh, I know, just like back and forth, and just like oh, just a play that has no shot, like that. That that's it, and that's the game. I so. think Kirk would have benefited from Darius Slayton catching that ball, <laughs> and then and then getting the first down because the game Kirk end. isn't getting isn't getting he wouldn't have gotten that much heat, especially when you look at the numbers that he put up. It's like, he, he really is a guy where it's like, you look at the numbers on paper. It's like, wow, like, who wouldn't take, who wouldn't score. take Kirk Cousins. But right. then when you see uh, in crunch time, it, he, he just doesn't come through. Yeah. So in the Super Bowl era, teams who complete 80% or more of passes, don't turn the ball over. Don't allow a sack going into this game, regular season playoffs, they were 47 and 0. This is the first time that a team has lost. This is just like it's the like Chargers a, plus 5 turnover margin. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's just like an incredible stat. It's like you do great on offense, like you're you're not throwing incompletions, you're not turning the ball over, you're not losing yards on sacks and yet they they they, they couldn't win this game. And again, I think that it just circles back to the Giants offense versus the Vikings defense was the, the difference in this game. So So I think I think Kirk I think I mean, maybe he's gotten maybe a little bit too much heat, but he definitely deserves criticism. But I, I just can't help look back at that defense. Like, e- like even though Kirk definitely deserves blame, I think the the worst part of the biggest reason why they lost is because their defense can't stop anything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, th- I think that that's kind of been an issue for this team for the past few years. You know, we saw when the Vikings were really good uh, for a while, like not that long ago. They were winning because they had an amazing defense. And then when as, as soon as their defense becomes one of the worst in the league, they couldn't make the playoffs. And then this year they, you know, had this they, they, ha- they season, have a awesome in the end. This is another defense where they have some playmakers like Daniil Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith. Uh Patrick but, Peterson had a really Patrick solid. Peterson's like the like but. the back nine of his career though. Like he's not he's not the same lockdown corner like he was in Arizona. No, he's he's. This is probably going to be like his last like good season right. down the stretch. So, yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of questions in Minnesota moving forward, and like I, I don't think you can just move on from Kirk Cousins right now. But it's it's hard to feel. I would, like... I would start looking at other options. I'm not saying like, oh, we got to get rid of him now. We got to bring in a new guy next year. But at someone, at, that's something that you got to be proactive about, and you got to. Maybe start looking. What if it's a veteran option or more likely a, Kellen more likely in the draft? I don't know if yeah. Kellen Mond can play. <laughs> oh, they, I think he's already been released by them. So. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. No, I, I think 
you know, maybe they can go back to the drawing board on that. Yeah. But yeah, Giants are on to the divisional round. You know, great season for them and uh, not over yet. So final game of the day, another one in the AFC that backup quarterbacks playing. This one's probably going to be a little lopsided and it was far from it. Uh, Baltimore put up a huge fight against Cincinnati. And in the end, it came down to a wacky fumble recovery touchdown. Like oh, that was 17, crazy. 17, <laughs> you think Tyler Huntley's going in for a score. And then all of a sudden, Sam Hubbard has the ball going the other way. Bengals win 24-17. See, that wasn't like the Lawrence one where when you, I think they were at the two yard line or, or one and a half yeah, yard line. A, and, and then uh-huh. Huntley is a lot smaller than Lawrence. <laughs> so that took more of a, to it wasn't as simple as, oh, just reach for the end zone. You're good. Like, no, you uh-huh. really got to get in if you're going to do that play. And so it felt like, which like, it doesn't feel like that's what you should do with a guy like Huntley there. No, and, like no. even have JK Dobbins. Like, it, I don't know. They, I don't, that I don't blame, like a great I don't blame Dobbins call. for being critical of the play calling because he was the best player on the Ravens that, that game. And he only had, I think 12 carries or, or he didn't have enough touches uh, for how he was playing in that game. Yeah. 13 carries for 62 yards. I mean, JK Dobbins was awesome down the stretch when right. he came back from injury. He, he ran wild uh, in a lot of those games. I remember against the Steelers, like you could see like the injury affect him on what should have been like a 50 yard touchdown ends up getting caught at like the five, but he's someone, he's a playmaker. Like he, he's the kind of guy that you want to give the ball to in that situation. And, I don't think it was even fourth and goal either, right? It was. No, I, think I think it was, it was third. second or third, second. Maybe? Okay, second. Yeah, I, I don't remember. It was fourth. one of those. Like they didn't. It wasn't like a all right one play here. Like you had some options there. So yeah, another just... case of just just run it. Why <laughs> 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 got or or just give it to your running back and and, and just hope he gets a yard. That, yeah, that they I really mean, could have won that game uh, because Baltimore's defense definitely could have. Not that Burrow was turned the ball over. They had they had about one turnover by Hurst and that fumble, but yeah, he they weren't really turned the ball over, but they weren't getting a lot out of their offense outside of Chase. And yeah, so, they got a lot of pressure on him. The Bengals' offensive line—it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Even yeah. though they made all these additions, it's still the same thing. I feel like they gave up four sacks, and then Joe Mixon didn't really do much in this game, and so. I, I I like Cincinnati a lot. I still I I do believe that they definitely have a chance of advancing uh you know past the divisional round and who knows what happens after that. But you know, that offensive line is still a problem. For, yeah, for injuries are I mean that that's what it is for them because they they already lost uh, Lael Collins for the year. They right. lost Alex Kappa in Week 18. He's week to week, and now uh, Jonah Williams dislocated his knee. He, he, He's he also got hurt in this week. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, they they could be trotting out an offensive line that looks like the the unit they had last year. Remember, the Titans had what nine sacks in that playoff game. Ravens had four in this one, and you know the Bills' pass rush isn't quite the same without Von Miller, but there's it's, st- it's still a good pass a rush. Difference. Yeah, even though it's so. not right, like you said, without Von Miller, it's, Von Miller, it's not amazing, but it's still good. It's still yeah, good enough so, to get I mean, pressure to Burrow. Definitely something to watch. I mean, the Bengals offense, it didn't look all that great in this one. It, they were better than a Ravens offense playing a backup quarterback with a, an offensive coordinator on his own. He's come under question. I think Greg <laughs> Roman's probably done in Baltimore. Uh, and for the Ravens, a big turn question. for him. He looked like the, oh, you know, the man. genius leading Lamar to an MVP. And now he's on the verge of possibly losing a job. Um, yeah. 
for his yeah i on. think his contract is up at this point so they would have to re-sign him to bring him back so I, I think he's he's done in baltimore and the question is is lamar also done and you know how do they handle the situation just so a wild turn of events uh, he initially it's like he's gonna miss a game or two with an injury and then he ends up missing what six down the stretch he didn't even go to the playoff game no just crazy so Obviously, like, you know, the, the contract situation is going to play a big factor in his future. And I I think the question is, you know, everyone's been saying there's going to hand a franchise tag until they can't anymore. But is he going to play in a franchise tag? <laughs> like, given what we just saw the last month of the season, it, it just feels crazy to think that he would do that. Because I don't he think he really would. Especially when, his, his, yeah. just, and especially when you factor in the kind of quarterback he is. Like, Lamar is more susceptible. I can't pronounce the word. Susceptible. Susceptible. Thank you. There are certain words that I have trouble with, <laughs> but him more than anybody uh, with just how much he runs, uh, he's definitely yeah, and back-to-back seasons cut short by knee injury. Right. And so he's someone that he needs to get paid uh, when you just factor in how much of a runner he is. Cause in the NFL and that sport, one hit can, 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 uh, can ruin your career. Look at RG three, even RG three put out on Twitter that, like, no, it was smart that Lamar didn't play because look what happened to me. Like, I, I went yeah. out there and I had my own ACL and PCL injuries and it, and it cost me. And so, uh, so that's in hindsight, like, yeah, it wasn't uh, great for RG3 to go out there in that playoff game. And so it was smart that Lamar probably wasn't out there. But now he's got Baltimore in a, in a tough situation because <laughs> look, I mean, Huntley, he played well in this game, but if he's your starting quarterback, you're not going to be a playoff team. No, no, especially not in the AFC North. I mean, it, Tyler Huntley has his moments where it's like, okay, he, he can maybe be something, but his ceiling is nowhere close to Lamar Jackson's and the Raven ceiling is nowhere close, you know, to what it would be with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. I don't know. I mean, if Lamar isn't going to play in the franchise tag and you're not going to pay him, like, why not get a bounty for him? Because there are a lot of teams who are desperate right now for quarterbacks and they'll give up first round picks. They'll give up a lot. They'll sign a big, you know, sign him to a, a big contract. I guess we'll see what the fully guaranteed numbers come out to be. But I think that th- there's going to be a market for him. And if the Ravens aren't going to pay him, like, if you can't trust him to be your quarterback in December and January, I don't know how you move forward on just like a season by season basis. I could totally see him in a different uniform, uh, just given how the the rest of this year played out, where he wasn't even available uh, for them, and they didn't want to pay him in the beginning of the year. So that's definitely a situation to look at for sure. Yeah, and I obviously have some bias as a Steelers fan. Like I, I like Lamar Jackson. I want to be able to like root for him and not have it hurt my my own team and own personal interests. So I do hope that this kind of ends with him going elsewhere. But uh, I mean, it it's tough because he's a very good player when he's healthy, and injuries have just been a problem right now. That you know, it, it's hard to know what you're going to get out of this guy long term. And paying him, it it feels like paying him would be a bad move <laughs> see yeah because no. he he hasn't so one he can definitely get injured with the way he plays just being more of a runner compared to most quarterbacks but then also no, no, another thing about Lamar is that he hasn't really proven that he's a a winning quarterback I mean yeah regular season but he, I think he has only one playoff win in his yeah, career yeah one playoff that win versus, versus Tennessee uh-huh. so you can make a case that 
they they can move on from him, especially just given how much he's going to cost. And and so so yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, because they're kind of screwed without him. But at the same time, like he, I don't know, like yeah, he is fun to watch. Like the younger generation loves Lamar Jackson. Uh, he is definitely mm-hmm. fun to watch. But is he? Does his play translate to? you know, winning, winning real football games, like winning at this time of the year, January into February. But I mean, we don't even know because he's not even healthy right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's, he's not giving himself an opportunity to, to prove either way. So I hate all the Patriots um, talk about how like, oh, they're going to be in, on Lamar Jackson. Like one, they never pay anybody. <laughs> and yeah, so they, the, they're going to pay Lamar Jackson. Another thing is they, the, another thing you hear a lot about from the Patriots is the best, uh, ability is it's availability is availability and lamar jackson uh you know these past couple of seasons has not really been available as much as you want yeah now i it, it feels kind of crazy to think about lamar to the patriots yeah that's, uh, I, 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 I highly doubt the that Jets feel like the, the kind of team that would dolphins do that. if two was not healthy are definitely options those are the top two yeah, i can Raiders, come to mind yeah, Falcons, Falcons Saints, Panthers, pretty much anyone in the NFC South True. is play. <laughs> uh, so it feels like a good transition now to the final game, talking about the NFC South, where send an 8-9 team to the playoffs. And normally, when an 8-9 team in the, is in the playoffs, there are going to be a lot of people who don't expect them to win. This was an unusual case in that the 8-9 team is quarterbacked by Tom Brady, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that just won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And they're going up against a Dallas Cowboys team that is historically in the last 30 years not had a whole lot of success success in the playoffs, particularly on the road, given they haven't won a playoff game on the road since 1993. So, look, it made sense for everyone to come into this, say Tom Brady against Dak Prescott, Tom Brady against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Let's pick the Bucs. And when this game played out, it's like, oh, yeah. The Bucs are a really bad football team. And the, the Cowboys, Cowboys are a much a better team. football like, team. Yeah, and See, that, this, that was what we saw in this one. This is one where, unlike the Chargers and the Vikings, this is a team where I, I really didn't trust them to the point where I actually picked the other team, especially when you factor in the other team is led by Tom Brady. Even though they're an 8-9 Bucks team, it's, a, it's led by Tom Brady, a guy who's uh, always shows up at this time of the year against a team that usually never shows up at this time of the year and usually falls flat on their face. And so there was some bias t- towards it, but it was also more of a, I don't trust Dallas uh, coming into that game. But yeah, it definitely showed that Dallas is a much, much better football team. And Dak Prescott <laughs> played out of his mind. Uh, There's definitely a lot of criticism. Yeah, I mean, was one of one of the best games he's ever played. Right. In the, in the biggest moment, so... Yeah, there is a lot of criticism on his play coming into the game just with all the turnovers that he's had this year. Tied for the league in interceptions despite missing five Despite games. missing, what, like six weeks of the year? And he he's had all these picks. And so, yeah, there are a lot of questions on Dallas's part coming into this game. But, yeah, it, it was total domination, especially offensively on their part. Yeah, I mean it, everything. Everything went well except for extra points for the Cowboys. <laughs> oh my God, I Maher! Just, I, what I a disaster for Maher. That that was that was hard to watch. See, he's um, been a he's been really good this year, but that I mean, what a mental case that was. Because uh, what if what if that was a closer game? Like that could have really cost yeah, them. But... Yeah, that was probably a huge difference maker. And so I don't, I don't know if they need to. I don't want to say straight up replace him for the next game, but. 
maybe bring in someone off the practice squad for competition or something. Yeah, yeah. at the very least, I think you gotta like you know put keep put him on his toes. On like uh-huh. like, dude, you can't miss four extra points in a game. It got yeah, to a point where they went for it on fourth down goal. when they really should have just gone for the field goal. But it's like, no, this guy's missing so many kicks that we got to go for go for it yeah. on fourth down, even though we're winning by a lot. Easy, easy touchdown right. <laughs> in that moment anyway. So it worked out kind of well for, for Dallas that they didn't trust a kicker at that moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely something to watch moving forward for the Cowboys is what happens with the, the kicker position. Um, but yeah, I mean, this... This was just a, a total domination on Dallas's part, and everything that was an issue with Tampa, particularly their offense, was exposed. <laughs> They're in 68 pass plays to 12 run plays with a 45-year-old immobile quarterback. Just insane to think about, and that that was their best chance of winning this game. And I think that the Bucks' offense really reminded me of the Steelers' offense with Big Ben down the stretch of his career when. They couldn't run the ball. They only had like a decent pass protection because he had to get rid of it right away. And when they ran hurry up, that was when things were went the best. But you can't do that all game. And that was what happened in this one. <laughs> the Bucs ran hurry up down the stretch, like in the third, fourth quarter. That led to their two touchdowns. Uh, but for the most part, it's just like a, a sad offense to watch. They just couldn't get anything going. Yeah, I... I get the comparison, but I mean, Be- Big Ben was ancient <laughs> by the end of his career. Like Brady, I still think can play, but there's definitely signs of of like of of you know, quote unquote, father time catching up to him. And yeah, like they, they can't run. They they were not effective running the ball. Uh, playoff Lenny did not show up uh, in no, this playoff not at all. game. Five carries for eleven yards. And then Rashad White, I think he's a good pass catcher, but he's not the best runner. And so they, yeah. He didn't run the ball effectively, uh, especially against a tough defense like Dallas. I guess that's one thing that I should have taken more seriously is their defense. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Bucks' offense, yeah, it's just it's it was just depressing to watch all year. Yeah, I mean their their offense uh, was a mess all season long. I don't know how much of it was Bruce Arians being gone. You know, just all the injuries they dealt with. Tom Brady like actually taking a step backward at you know finally yeah. at age forty five like. And- I think one thing to mention is that Brady really was never bought into this season. Like he didn't want to be on the Bucks to to begin with, and you you see him taking time, uh, time off during training camp, and all these rumors like, what is it about? And is it plastic surgery or is it uh, marital issues? And it, and the marital issues were not just a rumor; it ended up being a real thing because he ended up getting a divorce uh, with Giselle, and then you see him. Uh, attending Craft's uh, wedding a day or two before the Steelers like, game, and they end up losing to a Steelers yeah. team that was sucking at that point. Yeah. Oh, really bad. Like I never saw that coming. And, and uh, yeah, yeah and I mean, it, you didn't see that coming. But wait till the next week when they face a oh, Panthers they, team that was straight up giving up, and then they lose to them by eighteen, and even yeah. without you know some of their best players on their team no any longer. Uh, so it was. It was not a good year for the Bucks, but you know, I, I thought at least for one game that they could turn it around in the playoffs. But yeah, it was a it was a it was a disaster in that game as well. Yeah, just never never had a shot in this one. I think it's remarkable that Brady didn't throw a red zone interception in his first. I mean, Joe Buck, Joe Buck, Bucks. and Troy Eggman really jinxed him. <laughs> like, oh, he's never thrown a red zone interception, uh-huh. and then just, of course, like 
happens right there. It, it happens all the time yeah. with announcers. Like, oh, he's never missed. Yeah, a we used kick. to like miss kicks a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's the little NFL rigged moment there for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was kind of a wild stat to hear, though, just because like the the Bucks offense has not been great in the red zone. I feel like they're constantly settling for like 25, 30 yard field goals. But I think it's just oh, they get close and then just can't close in. But they don't get it. But they don't turn it over, and then it just happens. Yeah, and then this case, I think Brady was trying to throw the ball away, and Curse was there to to take it away, and I I think that just kind of killed any type of momentum the Bucks had, right? Uh, Because it was six nothing still at that point. It was early in the game. Um, I guess just one comment about the Buck, the Cowboys defense. It's really good. Trevon Diggs, like. Why does everyone think he's this awesome cornerback? Is it just because of the interception? I think because last, last like year, the softest last year player he had I've so many seen. picks. Yeah, but he he's afraid to tackle guys. Like in this game, he was like there that one player he got spun around. I forget who it was. Was third and long, and he ended up giving up. Like it should have been an easy tackle, and he just looked lost on the play. Uh, there were like a few times where he was playing really soft on Mike Evans, giving up easy first downs. So Chris Godwin, the fumble, it ended up getting overturned. But on that play, Diggs was running away from the ball. Someone else recovered it for the Cowboys. But just watching him, I'm like, people love this guy. Like he's praised as like one of the best corners in the league. By Part of it's so probably because of his people. brother, um, you know, being a you know a Diggs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I get, I get it. I get like you know the interceptions. And the and the it's also because of last stuff, year with but... the takeaways that like all the turnovers that he, all the all the picks that he had last year. It, it was just wild to watch. Like I don't think I'd ever like really like watched him specifically, but it was just like every time the Bucks were doing something on offense, like it's like oh there's Diggs again. There's Diggs like ten feet away from the play. Like what is going on right now? So. Uh, there aren't there, Maybe... aren't there aren't a lot or really any lockdown corners in the league anymore. No, uh, and I, I understand keeps, that. It's Ramsey not about being a lockdown corner. He's always it's anointed as like, oh, he's the best corner in the league, ninety-nine <laughs> overall rating in Madden every year. But yeah. it's like I see him, this guy getting shredded all, <laughs> all the time. time. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I know that that has been an issue with Diggs as well. But it's just like being afraid to tackle guys as a cornerback just doesn't seem like a, a thing, a trait you want out of a you know your number one guy. Uh, and then, of course, from here, this, there's going to be a lot of speculation about Tom Brady, his future. Is this it for him? Is he going to go out? We saw him retire last year. Is he going to hang it up now? Is he going to go play somewhere else? Uh, I don't really even know what to expect at this point. Like, It, yeah. it feels like he wouldn't want to go out like this, but how many more chances is he really going to have to go out on a higher note? He's had two of them the last few years in Tampa and said he came back and this is how things ended. Yeah. Like you said, you don't, as someone that's great as he is, you don't want to go out like this, but at the same time, like what other opportunities will you have where you can go out on top? There aren't really, (laughs) there aren't really many options. If you go elsewhere, like looking at other teams, I think Las Vegas makes a lot of sense because you have a a true number one receiver and Adams. And then you know how much you love throwing the slot receivers in new England. So you got a guy, in Renfro that fits that mold perfectly. And then yeah, Waller when he's, and Darren Waller. Waller when he's healthy is a great tight end. Not like Gotta Kelsey or Kittle. Josh Jacobs. And Josh uh, Jacobs had a great year. <laughs> like yeah. his first few years in the league, he was fine. Even though he even though he had a thousand rushing yards uh in in you know some of those seasons, I, I still didn't think he was great. But this year he was awesome. Uh, and so if they bring him back, like that would make a lot of sense, especially if they beef up their O line, because 
Because Brady at this point in his career doesn't want to take too many hits. No, no, not at all. Like, like being, that's, being that, 46, that's a big part of the issue. Uh, uh-huh. and, and their defense really sucks. And they and then Mahomes is still in that division. And then it, it's a tough division. It's a tough division, Patrick especially Holmes, if, you still have Justin Herbert. I mean, it, it, the Broncos at the very least have an awesome defense. And right, they're, like they're the one team I think that and has I guess a winning it could be worse than what they were last this this season. So right. I know that's, imagine, that's what I'm trying to tell myself with Denver, but so it's still a tough <laughs> yeah. division. It, obviously, it was overrated division. Uh, I certainly thought it'd be better, but still, it's still a tough it's division. Part of the reason why it was overrated is because the Raiders sucked. Yeah, so, it's not the, like this is a oh like it's not like there's a 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers that it's like you just need a quarterback who can protect the football and this team is built to win a Super Bowl like that team was. I just think that team you makes know? the most sense because of the pieces that they have on offense and, you got the and then Josh McDaniels, yeah. so he would take in the coaching and and know the system and like that, that and he almost went there too after he left New England. So I, mm-hmm. I just think that team makes the most sense. You know, maybe yeah, Jets my, and the Dolphins, like both maybe of them Miami, if Tua's, uh, if if his health situation is is uh is not good, uh, if they knew if they need to look for another guy, there are definitely talks about Brady going to Miami when he left New England. Uh, you know, San Francisco's again. We mentioned that earlier. San Francisco's always going to be in the talks just because of his his local ties. You know, being a Niners fan when he was a kid, and and they definitely have, of course, a great team and. Great defensively, great pieces, and it's really the quarterback. It's not even a question mark now because that's why I'm not really counting on San Francisco is because they have whoever's been a quarterback, if it's been Jimmy or Purdy, like they have options. Like even if they want to go with Lance uh, next year, if like after you know being injured, like they have plenty of yeah. options. So that's why I think Brady's unrealistic. I think Brady should want to go to the Niners. I don't know if the Niners, you know, given I don't their think they situation, want him. Should want him. I, yeah, the thing about the Niners is that I don't think yes, it'd be a great match, but at the same time, I don't know if Brady and Shanahan would work well because you know, Shanahan, you know, he's kind of like Belichick. You know how Belichick, he kind of has, he has a big ego where mm-hmm. like, you know, as long as uh doesn't matter who we have a quarterback, as long our system works, the do, do your job, Patriot way, uh, win on defense. It's kind of the same thing with Shanahan, except offensively where like, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Like it's all about my schemes. Uh, and yeah, I mean the Shanahan system. Like he's not going to rip that up and say, "Oh, let's do what Josh McDaniels I, I just, did back in the day." Like, I, I don't want to. F- I, I don't want uh, someone to take the shine off. Like I just want someone who can run my system. Like Purdy's a perfect example. Like he's he was like a uh-huh. seventh round pick, and and he's killing it right now. And I'm sure more credit's going to Shanahan than Purdy. Uh, yeah, because of his yeah, system. I mean- that, exactly, and that that's definitely the way it is. I I agree that the Raiders make the most sense, but you know it's it's still like they're they're not even a lock to make the playoffs. No, <laughs> so uh, it's just it, I don't know. I'm not sure what he's gonna do. I mean, we'll see. I think he's gonna take a lot of time to think about it. It feels like he's done in Tampa. Yeah, the ta- Tampa is really unrealistic. Uh, I just think the great the great quarterbacks like or just any sport they, they don't. They don't quit. Like they're told to leave is really more of what it is than 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 quit themselves. Uh, but I will say though, if he retires, him being in the booth, <laughs> like that ten year deal, He's don't forget so that much money. Yeah, I can't imagine him lasting that long in the booth. I, I I'd imagine he'll be like Drew Brees all over again. He'll be in the if he were to retire and go to Fox, he'd be there for a year. 
and then everyone would hate him, and then he wouldn't do <laughs> he wouldn't do it any longer. Yeah, I, honestly, I have no idea what to think. Like, I I don't know if I I want to have him be on. TV if he were in the booth, he would because because Brady's not a guy that's very outspoken. He keeps a lot of things to himself, and I can't imagine being that critical uh, if he were to, you know, speak on players' bad play. I I don't know. I can't imagine B- Brady being good at that gig, and people would people would be so critical of him especially just given that he's tom brady because uh, like look at that look at that chargers jags game like all people could talk about was how how much the chargers are chokers but then also how boring al michaels and tony dungy were <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, i mean so, I, I didn't watch most of the games so i didn't see that criticism so but if I, those I guys that, are gonna get all the crap yeah. like imagine how much crap brady would get like drew Brees one playoff game remember that game versus it was raiders Bengals in the playoffs Oh yeah! But all people no, could talk was, about was, was how bad Drew Brees was in the booth, uh-huh. and then yeah. Tony Romo. Yeah. Tony Romo was awesome for one year, he's, but now it's he's just a disaster. His luster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty bad with him. So yeah, I I don't know what to expect with Brady in the booth. Um, I don't know that I want to deal with it personally, but I also like I yeah I don't know. It feels hard to pass up on thirty five million to be a broadcaster at this point, but I can also see him wanting to play football still and. He has enough money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after the FTX thing and, you know, losing his supermodel wife, who knows? (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Still has enough money. uh, Anyway, I guess let's look ahead to the divisional round now. So four intriguing matchups. I I think you you got uh, some big storylines. Trevor Lawrence never lost on a Saturday. Can he keep it going against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Team has been in the AFC Championship game every year since he took over. Eagles, Giants, NFC Beast showdown. You know, these teams just played in week 18. Close and expected. The Giants have it in them to pull off the upset. And then on the Sunday games, Buffalo, Cincinnati. I mean, DeMar Hamlin game. There's been so much that has kind of gone into this. You know, that's being played in Buffalo, not a neutral site. You know, that's going to be a big one. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. And then finally, San Francisco, Dallas, one of those classic NFC rivalries. He seems just met last year in the playoffs. Niners pulled off the upset. Can the Cowboys get revenge this year? So of these four, which game are you most looking forward to this weekend? Um, It's one of those two Sunday ones, because I think the Saturday ones aren't that convincing. I'm, I'm definitely flip-flopping between... Buffalo, Cincinnati, and and Dallas, San Fran. I guess I'll go Dallas, San Fran, just because of the matchup. But then also, you know, Brock Purdy, he's been awesome, but I do think this will be his toughest test against a defense like Dallas. Uh, and so that will be interesting to watch to see if, like, okay, like yeah, they scored forty five points, but against a Seahawks defense that's just kind of uh, like very very below average uh, defense. Yeah, and, and, and Dallas is obviously a great. And Dallas. Uh, even though Trayvon Diggs is overrated, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they definitely are a great defense. And so that I guess I'll go with that game because I, I definitely take even, even though I still have some questions about Dallas, I definitely take them more seriously uh, than I did uh, in prior weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to with what they did. And I, I'm certainly intrigued to see how do they follow up this effort, you know, and do they put up a big fight against the Niners? Uh, I, I thought you were going to say Cincinnati Buffalo. It, it was me, one like, or the other. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing holding me back on that one is like, as much as like, I 
can't say I hate the Bengals or anything. I still don't like there's still an AFC North rival. I don't necessarily want them to win. So part of me is more like nervous about that. Like I'd rather see the Bills win that game. I'm sure you kind of have the reverse feelings. Like as much as you're like, I don't hate the Bills. I don't know if you necessarily want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, other teams the, the Patriots had them. so much success that it doesn't. And then, and then Josh Allen is so fun to watch that it doesn't bother me as much. If it were like the Jets, like, yeah, screw them, like root for the other team. But, <laughs> but if, I don't know, the Bills don't bother me as much. Um, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think they have great fans. Josh Allen's fun to watch. Yeah. And it, well, great the fans is probably like a legitimate the thing fan- because Bengals fans are like still a problem for me. Like, doesn't matter who's on the field. Like, Joe Burrow is a fun guy, but I still don't like Bengals fans. I don't know. Bills fans are, they're really passionate fans. And I, I don't know. I, like remember when the uh, Andy Dalton he had his uh yeah when, when, when awesome. he when he got the the Bills into the playoffs all the Bills fans donated they, they money. donated a ton of money yep and, and you know kind of like Hamlin I mean that was kind of a, the you know a whole yeah I mean it was everyone everywhere but fans. but still yeah. I don't know like I don't hate him as much I guess like compared to the yeah. other two teams no I mean that's fair that's you know Bills Bills fans did that Bengals fans cheered when Big Ben got carted off the field in a playoff game oh. so they're, they're just not the not the same you know right <laughs> but yeah i mean that that'd be the only thing that holds me back but i, I definitely would lean toward those two games i i am kind of interested to see what we get out of kansas city and jacksonville i think that's one that it's an exciting potential quarterback matchup with Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. I do expect Kansas City to win this one. I don't think that if they jump out to a big lead, they're going to blow it like the Chargers did. But uh, I, I am curious to see what we get. And then the NFC East rivalry. I mean, those games, you never really know what to expect with those. It's another one where it's like, yeah, the Eagles probably should win this game. But I don't know. Does the Giants have like this crazy upset in them? Because we also don't know what we're getting out of the Eagles, given how they played those last few games. Right. the The last few games of the year for them were not great, and you know who knows what Hurts' health is like when when, when Saturday approaches. Because he he only got one start in those in that last month or la- or last few weeks, but he didn't look great. But at the same time, you want to shake off the rust. Uh, before you get to the playoffs so that that'll definitely be interesting to watch but yeah i think the sunday games are way way more interesting than the saturday ones yeah so i guess that being said are you making any upset picks are you taking no the, uh, I, 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 I like the chiefs over the jags i like the eagles over the giants and then buffalo cincinnati i think that'll be again fun to watch but i'm gonna go with buffalo because i just think if they're dialed in, they should they should beat Cincinnati. But I do think they're vulnerable, and I think Cincinnati, with their receivers, are a team that that definitely can be Buffalo. But I just think if if Buffalo, you know, gets gets their crap together and and you know, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, stays focused for a whole sixty minutes, I I think they're I think they should still win. I they are vulnerable though. Like they 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 don't run the ball very well, and their secondary is not the greatest, but. I still think overall they're the better team, and then and then Dallas San Fran, I, I again I take Dallas more seriously now, but I still lean with San Fran, uh, but I do think that'll be a fun game. Yeah, I mean I, I'm in the same boat. I, I think all four of those home teams are going to pull it out. Uh, I think all four of them have some level of uh, upset potential with the two Sunday games being much more right. likely. Right. I I think. Yeah, I I don't I think I think uh Kansas City and Philly should take care of business. I think it'll be maybe one score game. I think I think I think that's possible, but I still think they should take care of business. But I think the other two games on Sunday, 
like I do think those both those games will come down to the the finish. Yeah, and I'm really intrigued to see if we're gonna get you know Brock Purdy in a big moment against a really good defense. You know what what we see out of him. If you, um, if I you're that, if if I'm forced possible. to pick one, like who's the most on upset alert? I think I would pick San Fran just because. Yeah. You know, inexperienced quarterback. Even though he's played great, you know, inexperienced rookie quarterback versus a defense like that, maybe maybe things could turn uh, for for worse. I don't know. But I'm yeah, still going to no, go I San agree Fran. with that. I, I I think I agree with that. I also want to see how does Dak follow this one up. That too, right? Yeah, against that '90s defense yeah, and all. Oh, here great, come the turnovers. But it was Tampa, again. who, yeah, who Tampa, Tampa was just not a good football team this year. Yeah, I, I think my biggest concern with Cincinnati is the offensive line, just like very oh, banged just, up right just, now, and I feel like their offense is just too limited. At the I, I think uh, I think that the O line issues. At some point, it'll catch up to them. Maybe, maybe it'll be just like last year, though, where it doesn't catch up to them until like the very last play yeah, of uh, the year <laughs> in the yeah. Super Bowl. Well, I, I think the big difference was like the Bengals, like those are their starters. They weren't very good starters, right. but like they played together. In this case, it's like you got a bunch of replacements coming in because everyone's injured who played most of the season. So I right. think that's that makes it even worse. But we'll see what happens. Should be another fun week in a football. Uh, that'll do it for this one next week we'll talk football we'll probably have some more stuff you know it's top five five questions i think baseball hall of fame voting is next tuesday the 24th and i'm sure i'll hate whoever gets in or doesn't get in again todd helton and scott roll and i looked uh just based on like the the ballot tracker those two are the only two who are above 75 percent with um that's crazy those guys yeah i mean (laughs) those guys are fine i I like them but i I, those are fine players they're not they're not hall of fame players sorry (laughs) i'm already mad about no i mean it's i (laughs) uh i guess speaking of baseball you see in your recutions coming back to the pirates good for him yeah i'm I'm sure all teams will suck though yeah, no, probably, but at least it'll make the Pirates slightly more fun to watch, which, you know, isn't really saying much because they have not been all that fun to watch the last couple of years. But I mean, he's still my favorite player, so I'm very happy he's coming back this year and excited to see what he does. Don't so. blame you. Yep. So, all right, for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Devotney. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>